and welcome to the Commander Theory Podcast. I'm Nick Beatman, and I'm here with my friend, Zach Mack. Hello, everybody. So we've gotten several exciting spoilers from Theros Beyond Death over the last few days, and we're excited to share our thoughts on them. We've gotten to see what the new mechanics are. We've gotten to see some new legendary creatures, some new planeswalkers. But before we jump into how we build around the new legends or how we use the new non-legendary cards, I want to briefly talk about our Patreon. If you head on over to patreon.com slash commander theory, you can support the show and access sweet benefits, including hanging out with us on Discord, suggesting questions that we'll answer live on the show, and you can get all that for as little as $1 a month. If you aren't ready to be a patron yet, you can help us out by rating or reviewing us on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher. I think we can go ahead and start by jumping into the mechanics. It is very exciting to see Constellation return. Yeah, this is great. For those of you who aren't familiar with it, Constellation is a triggered ability, and it triggers off of enchantments entering the battlefield under your control. When we first saw it in Journey into Nyx, it was only on enchantment creatures, but it seems like the Constellation triggers we've seen so far in Theros Beyond Death have been on non-enchantment creatures. So a little bit of a downgrade in the sense that they won't trigger themselves when they enter the battlefield, but this might allow them to push down the mana costs, maybe give us some more powerful effects than we'd otherwise see. It is unfortunate that like for your two Vasa deck, in order to get these new constellation triggers in there, you may end up like cutting enchantments, like they're going to dilute the enchantment count in your deck but the one constellation card we've seen so far has been powerful so yeah it's very good (laughs) yeah so i'll remain optimistic about the execution of constellation in the set the next mechanic is called escape it's basically you pay a cost and exile some number of cards from your graveyard to cast the spell from your graveyard so the cost and the amount of cards you have to exile changes per spell that it's on but it's interesting recursion It's not something I was really expecting out of a Theros block. We've seen just a few cards with them, but I was pretty excited about them so far. I'm really interested in the black, blue, and green escape cards. I want to see what those do, because those colors are all pretty good at milling themselves. Yeah, There's some good self-mill commanders in those colors, and it's sort of like milling flashback cards. If you mill an escape card, you're essentially drawing it. You now have access to cast it. It's so great. So if we ever get something that's like a raise dead or zombify effect with escape, then you could like say play a Phoenix deck, mill your entire library, and then use this to get back a lab maniac and that'll be your win condition. Very excited to see what kind of tools we get for these types of self-mill decks. Yeah. The next one, this is kind of not necessarily a surprise for Theros, it's Devotion. So devotion, basically the effect cares about how many like pips are in the mana costs of the permanents you control in the battlefield mm-hmm. of a certain color or two colors. It's usually monocolor, so like it might be like this creature gets plus X plus X, where X is the number of green pips mm-hmm. in mana costs of permanents on your field. This is a great mechanic. It just scales so well in Commander <laughs> and like... Mm-hmm. I really like this mechanic because it gives you a reason to play fewer colors in Commander. Like, you don't want to dilute your devotion, so you might be encouraged to play monocolor or lean more heavily on a certain color. And and in Commander, the format generally encourages more colors, so it's great to see something that pushes back in the opposite direction. The last mechanic we've seen so far, Sagas. Sagas are an enchantment subtype. The way they work is you cast them, and they have three triggered abilities, essentially. So when it enters the battlefield, you get one lore counter, and it has an ability that triggers off of 
the first lore counter. Then after your draw step each turn, you add another lore counter, and then you get the ability that triggers off of that many lore counters. For example, the one card we've seen so far, the Acroan War, its first trigger is you gain control of target creature for as long as it remains on the battlefield. Its second trigger is until your next turn, creatures your opponents control attack each combat if able. And its final trigger is each tapped creature deals damage to itself equal to its power. And then sagas always sacrifice themselves after the last lore counter is placed on them and the last trigger is put on the stack. I am excited to see more sagas. I think there's a lot of ways to interact with these cards and and build around them. Sagas as a type are perfectly geared to interact with Hall of Heliod's Generosity, the new land that came out in Modern Horizons. It taps for colorless. It's a legendary land. And you can pay one in a white and tap it to put an enchantment card from your graveyard on top of your library. So sagas, they come down, they do something useful, and then they sacrifice themselves. So that makes them interact really well with Heliod's generosity. If if you have a powerful saga like a Phyrexian scriptures that destroys all non-artifact creatures, you can keep reusing that, keep clearing the board. So really excited to see more sagas with powerful effects that we can reuse with Hall of Heliod's Generosity or with like a Hannah Ship's Navigator. One of the things about sagas I really like is just that they are enchantments and that means that in the future things can care about them too. And they're this weird intersection of like it's a permanent that kills itself too. So eventually you can get it back. It kind of crosses a bunch of these lines that different things can care about. So I I really am happy we're going to get more sagas. A couple things I'm on the lookout for. I'm really keeping an eye on blue sagas. Yeah. Because of the card Chisei, Heart of Oceans. Yeah. (laughs) Chisei is a four cost, four, four flying spirit. And it has at the beginning of your upkeep, sacrifice Chisei unless you remove a counter from a permanent you control. So you can use Chisei to like keep removing counters from your saga and basically just keep getting the same abilities over and over. I'm hoping that we get more blue sagas so that Chisei's story time can be a real archetype. Yeah, that would be so cool. The very last, it's not really a mechanic, but something that's returning in this set is enchantment creatures. Yeah. That's something we don't normally get in typical magic sets. It's kind of unique to Theros, so it's exciting to see more of that because prior to the existence of enchantment creatures, if you wanted to build an enchantress deck, you had very little room for creatures because like enchantments just were not creatures. Whereas like if you were building an artifact deck, there were plenty of artifact creatures you could use to up your creature count. Enchantment creatures give you a way to still trigger your enchantresses or whatever, but also like actually have a board presence. Yeah. And just not die to the aggro player because you didn't have anything going on. It's great. I'm very happy about it. And this needs to not just be on Theros. I think with that, we can move into the legendary creatures. Yes. We're going to start with Daxos, Blessed by the Sun. He is white-white for a legendary enchantment creature demigod. His toughness is equal to your devotion to white. He has two power. And whenever another creature you control enters the battlefield or dies, you gain one life. The fact that we have a soul sibling as a commander is an interesting thing. The big badonk, I don't know if that is ever really going to be relevant. Mm -hmm. It's not necessarily something that I am really looking for in a commander. Yeah. I just don't feel like there's a lot going on because this is something we've talked about before is that the mono white life gain rewards are not good. There's very few of them and they're not... Amazing. Yeah. There are two alternate win conditions like Felidar Guardian and Test of Endurance, which yeah. 
win you the game if your life total is over a certain threshold. There's a little bit of card draw in the form of Dawn of Hope and Well of Lost Dreams. Yeah, those would be like the first two cards I would put in. <laughs> yeah. And then there are some token generators like Crested Sun Mare, Angelica Chord, and mm-hmm. Resplendent Angel. Although the last two, like getting four triggers in one turn might be difficult. Yeah. So like triggering an Angelica Chord or... or getting five triggers for a resplendent angel, that might be a little bit difficult. Whereas like Crested Sun Mare, okay, you can make that happen. Yeah, and that's really the thing is that like other colors will have like, if you gained life X and you get to do something that you probably want to do, like drain opponents or get a token or do this or whatever. And white just doesn't have that. Like other than Crested Sun Mare, it's like there's always this threshold or there's a mana cost or there's something in the way. Mm-hmm. And I don't understand so I'm not super high on Daxos, Blessed by the Sun. Yeah, I'm definitely not either. One thing I do want to talk about briefly is the yeah. introduction of the demigod creature type. We've heard some whispers that there is supposedly a cycle of uncommon demigods, and I don't know if I like the introduction of this creature type. I don't care for it much. And part of it is because we are losing something by introducing it. Yes. There are a lot of people who are interested in building god tribal decks, and I could have imagined rather than having it be a demigod, he could have just been a human god. And that way like you can actually support people who want to build god tribal because like right now it's really really difficult to fit a whole bunch of gods in the same deck because they're all rewarding you for doing different things. Yeah, exactly. So more options makes it more likely that you can find a mass of gods where you're able to like sort of appease all of them and meet all of their conditions but you're introducing this new creature type so we're getting fewer options that work with the god tribal decks yeah it's it's weird i understand like the flavor kind of i'm not happy about it so for these like hybrid types it makes sense to introduce a new creature type that captures a hybrid if the new creature type is more resonant than either of the two things. The previous ones, yeah. Yeah, so like Minotaur is like a really resonant concept. It's more resonant than like human ox. Yeah. (laughs) So like I'm totally supportive of Minotaur being a creature type, but for Demigod, I think a lot fewer people are going to be aware of the word Demigod. I feel like it's only really discussed surrounding Greek mythology. And the word god is super resonant. People get so excited over the creature type god. So rather than having something that's like very close but slightly different, why not just use human god? And I think that sounds super cool. Yeah, and it also, like you said, like functionally works so much better. Yeah, there are enough gods out there that they could do god tribal, but there's no way they're ever going to be able to do anything with demigod if they're only introducing like five of these at uncommon across yeah. five colors yeah and i do want to touch very very briefly on like this is more upsetting to me is the mono white one like i understand that these are probably going to be like limited cards mm-hmm. hopefully they're all around like two mana they probably have like two pips each or something like that like it's going to be a cycle like that but just the fact that this is the white one is more upsetting than like if the green one is bad or the blue one is bad just because those colors have good mono color commanders mm-hmm. so the fact that this is Daxos and he doesn't really do much is more disappointing to me than like if the mono black one was like not as good Mm -hmm. so if the mono black one was like target opponent loses a life whenever you cast a creature I'd be like oh whatever (laughs) 
God, I don't envy wizards right now. Every time a mono white commander comes out and it's not good in commander, <laughs> everyone dumps on them. Yeah, and it's just they should see it coming though. Like I, I, I feel like it's been years now that people have been talking about it. Yeah, but I think it's it's really come to a head more mm. recently because we saw like mono white commanders like multiple in Throne of Eldraine yeah. that were just so disappointing. And it's like in part because Boros has finally gotten some good options. Like mm-hmm. mono white is the next color identity the on next the hit list. Yeah. yeah, for sure. So that's a little rant about that. I understand that like not every creature, especially legendary creature, is built for commander. Not every card is for commander. That's like totally normal. But when it's a mono white one, and we have such a long line of just being disappointed with this color that it's particularly <laughs> mm-hmm. jarring, I guess. I'm pretty sure that the storyline for this set is going to be about Elspeth killing Heliod, like, you know, avenging mm-hmm. herself. Do you think Daxos is going to become the new mono-white god? Oh, I kind of like that. Yeah, if he's a demigod, then he would, like, probably usurp that. That's pretty cool. That's my prediction. Yeah, we'll I'm... see if that comes to fruition. I don't know if that will happen, but that'd be cool. Next, we have the buy box promo for the set. It is Athreos, Shroud Veiled. Four white black for a four seven legendary enchantment creature god. It has indestructible, and as long as your devotion to white and black is less than seven, Athreos isn't a creature. At the beginning of your end step, put a coin counter on another target creature, and whenever a creature with a coin counter on it dies or is put into exile, return that card to the battlefield under your control. First, I want to say that I like it. I think it's slow. I think once it gets going, it's going to feel a lot better than something like Firesong and Sunspeaker, because you don't have the ramp to really get to the six super easily, much like Firesong and Sunspeaker, but your commander's indestructible. So it's and gonna... he may not even be a creature yeah, most of the time. exactly. So I think overall, this list is going to feel pretty good if you're into white-black control stuff. I'm more okay with this card because it is indestructible and because it's not a creature most of the time. I like this a lot better than the last Athreos. Yes. I, I just really despise cards that give your opponents options. So the mm. fact that I am 100% in the driver's seat with this Athreos means I'm way more into it. And there's a lot of really cool things you can do. I like that he can steal your opponent's creatures. It's another target creature, so you can target your opponent's things and you get them back if you were able to exile or kill them. Another cool thing is because he can pull things back from exile, it's not just a dies trigger. You can break cards that use exile to balance their benefits. So for example, if you get a creature back from your graveyard with like a corpse stance, normally as part of doing that, it is supposed to exile at the beginning of your next end step. But you can stack that end step exile trigger below Athreos's coin trigger. So coin trigger resolves first, it gets a coin, then it gets exiled, then Athreos brings it right back. So it's a way to turn like these types of reanimation that are supposed to be temporary into permanent reanimation. There's also a lot of fun stuff you can do just with having an indestructible commander in these yeah. colors. If you're a high roller and have a copy of the Abyss, you can target Athreos with the Abyss. Nothing's going to happen because it's indestructible, but your opponents are still forced to target their creatures and, and they lose their guys. You can also just sort of beat in with him while cards like Spreading Plague or Deathmatch kill all creatures forever. Like Spreading Plague, whenever a creature enters the battlefield, destroy all creatures that share a color with it and they can't be regenerated. So normally what that does is just nobody has creatures at all. But your commander's indestructible, so you will have the only creature, and you're going to get in that damage at your opponents. And then death matches, whenever a creature enters the battlefield, another target creature gets minus three, minus three until end of turn. 
So normally that's a great way to just keep your opponents killing each other's creatures all the time. Nothing survives. But Athreos is not only like not a creature some of the time, so they just might not be able to target him. But even when he's a creature, he's got seven toughness. So they have to commit a lot of creatures to the board in order to take down Athreos. And then that means that's more cards that they're putting out there that their opponents can kill with the deathmatch. So it's, it's a really unattractive value proposition. In addition to those kinds of fun things, there's plenty of fun creatures to recur. If you have False Prophet, you can just keep the board clear forever. I put a coin on False Prophet, sacrifice it, exile creatures, and bring back False Prophet. And that will make it very difficult for your opponents to kill you. I would also run like a lot of sack outlets to help you get your creatures in the yard so Athreos can bring them back. Like Attrition, Yawgmoth, High Market, Phyrexian Tower. City of Shadows is... So, oh, excellent. Yeah, very yeah. good in this deck. City of Shadows is a card that I've always wanted to make work in lists, but exiling creatures is normally such a huge cost. And I'll read this out because you, you may not be familiar with it. Yeah, it's kind uh, of a throwback. Yeah, it's a land from the dark. Tap, exile a creature you control, put a storage counter on City of Shadows. It also has tap, add X to your mana pool, where X is the number of storage counters on City of Shadows. So because Athreos doesn't care if your creatures are going to exile rather than dying... The City of Shadows drawback is not much of one, and you can just keep accruing those storage counters, and then you end up with a land that taps for three mana, four mana. mana. It's awesome. I used to use this card in a Derevi list where mm-hmm. I would exile Derevi over and over again, but you just keep getting her back. That's what this deck seems like it's going to be like. Is like you steal something, put a counter on it, and ramp up, ramp up, ramp up, and all of a sudden you have a land that's tapping for a pretty sizable <laughs> <laughs> amount. It's great. So I'm going to be posting a list in the episode description. And at the very bottom of that, that Architect page, there's going to be a affiliate link to TCG Player. And if you want to buy the deck, all you got to do is click that link and it'll add everything to your cart. Very convenient. So go ahead and check that out if you're interested in building around Athreos. I think it's a very cool deck. All right, let's move on to the Planeswalkers. We've seen two Planeswalkers within the main set. The first of the Planeswalkers is Ashiok Nightmare Muse. Ashiok is three blue black for a five loyalty planeswalker plus one create a two three blue and black nightmare creature token with whenever this creature attacks or blocks each opponent exiles the top two cards of their library minus three return target non-land permanent to its owner's hand then that player exiles a card from their hand and minus seven you may cast up to three face-up cards your opponents own from exile without paying their mana costs I don't think this is a commander card. Yeah, this is the classic, like, not powerful enough for commander planeswalker. I think just as a standalone card doesn't do that much. There was an event on Arena where you got to play with both Ashiok and the new Elspeth in these, like, decks that were tuned to play against each other. Ashiok felt fine in that context, where it's, like, 1v1 against a not very tuned aggressive deck, but good there is nowhere near close to where it needs to be to be good in Commander. Yeah, exactly. And 5 mana to get a 2-3 and have a 6 loyalty Planeswalker is like, that's whatever. Elspeth, Sun's Nemesis seems a lot more promising. Yeah, I'm actually excited about this one. (laughs) 2 white-white for a 5 loyalty Planeswalker. Minus 1, up to 2 target creatures you control each get plus 2, plus 1 until end of turn. Minus 2, create 2 1-1-white human soldier creature tokens. And minus three, you gain five life. She also has the ability escape. Four white white, exile four other cards from your graveyard, and then you can cast it from your graveyard. 
when I first saw it, I was like, oh, that seems kind of weird. But just the fact that it's a recursive token generating engine is pretty cool. Mm -hmm. I think that that's pretty fine because the first time you cast her, she gives you two tokens. And then if she sticks around, she gives you two more tokens. And then she either buffs them or dies or sits there. You can sack her to something or whatever. And then if you mill her, you can play her. Like, I just like the options on this card. Four tokens for four mana is like a decent rate yeah. for a token deck. And then if you're out of gas, being able to recast her again, get more tokens seems good. I'm high on this for token lists. I, mm-hmm. I like this. Yeah, I agree. I think it's just better than I thought it was when I first saw it. And I think that it will play great. And I think there'll be probably a few decks that are into this. I think this card is also notable because it continues the trend of human token generation that we've started to see lately. It sort of started off in Ravnica Allegiance, and then there was a lot of human token generation in Throne of Eldraine. And then here, it is appending the human type onto soldier creature token. So I'm very curious if this is going to be just the default state going forward, that when you make soldiers, they are also humans, because that would really help out if we ever got like more human tribal effects or a human tribal commander yeah i'm wondering too if like akoria has something to do with it like there's some balance some sort of human versus monster thing going on obviously we have no way of knowing but because they're talking about sets overlapping more Mm -hmm. like maybe that's one of the ways this is overlapping is like there's this like non-human versus human theme across these sets this is just maybe just a way to differentiate these tokens from another deck you might want to play them in on the one hand, like I would love to see more human tribal effects, and if that was the reason they were injecting all these human tokens into standard, that would be cool. But on the other hand, it would be really awesome if this was just the default for soldier tokens going forward. I mean, it could be both. Next, we've got a couple enchantment creatures that I thought were notable. So one is Nyxborn Corsair. It's one white-white for a 2-4 enchantment creature centaur scout, no abilities. The other is Eidolon of Philosophy. A single blue mana for a 1-2 enchantment creature spirit, and you can pay 6 and a blue and sacrifice it to draw 3 cards. These cards might seem like limited fodder underwhelming, but there is a commander that would want them. Like Kestia, the Cultivator, is running a lot of very bad enchantment creatures currently. Like Nyxborn Wolf and Crystalline Nautilus and all these these cards that Not are... Not quite the best. Yeah, so so even just like vanilla enchantment creatures with like decent stats will beat out some of the cards that are currently being played in Kestia decks. I think we'll see more as the set goes on of like this critical mass of like enchantment creatures that will replace those crappier, more expensive ones. Yeah, it's just so important for a Kestia deck to be able to go like one drop, two drop, three drop enchantment creature and then cast Kestia and draw three cards. Can I talk about this guy? Go for it. Yeah, this is the Akron War, and this is the saga that we've seen so far. It is three and a red for a enchantment saga. The first chapter is gain control of target creature for as long as the Akron War remains on the battlefield. The second is until your next turn, creatures your opponents control attack each combat if able. And the third chapter is each tapped creature deals damage to itself equal to its power. This card is kind of all over the place, I feel like. Like, it kind of sits everywhere. I don't really know which one of these things you care about the most. If you're just using it as, like, a wrath, it's the slowest wrath ever. Like, as someone who's played Phyrexian scriptures a lot, like, Mm -hmm. even just one turn is a lot sometimes. Yeah. So two turns is even more it's glacial yeah just like incredible i mean we all know like we've all had that experience in commander where you're sitting there and you're like you look at the clock and it's been like an hour and you're like it hasn't even been my turn again it's been <laughs> this has been i haven't had my next turn and it's been an hour yeah waiting two turns for this 
just seems so long and there's so many like things that can dodge it yeah it doesn't even get the job done all the way the forcing attacks is slow too it's nice that you can kind of set up your board to block effectively if people are going to come at you and you stole the best thing on the board so really that's kind of where i'm landing on this is that that's kind of the part that i like the most out of it is the threaten effect and the fact that it's a threaten on a permanent specifically an enchantment but that doesn't do anything yet there's no deck other than maybe Zedger who can just like keep the creature that wants this at this point in time. Maybe if you are listening to this and you think of something, let us know. But really the big knock on this card is that there's no picture of a horse. <laughs> there's no boats. It's really knocking the play. There's no Achilles. Down. There's no Achilles. Come on. What's going on, guys? No Odysseus. It's total missed opportunity. It's disgusting. This next card is not super notable from like a gameplay perspective, but it's hinting at something interesting in the lore. So this is called Clothis's Design. It is five green for a sorcery. Creatures you control get plus X plus X until end of turn, where X is your devotion to green. And the flavor text is, the god of destiny grants her followers vision deeper than sight. Ooh. So we've seen some art that appears to be Clothis. And Clothis is a a god we have not heard of before, so it is likely that this is the new red-green god now that Xenagos is dead. The last time we were on Theros, we learned in the lore that the gods, there's like a lot of turnover, and once a new god ascends and takes the place of an old god, everyone knows that they have been the god for all time. So it's it's likely that if Clothis is the new red-green god, most of the people on Theros will not remember Xenagos. Yeah, he's gone. Goodbye. As a spell, that's underwhelming. Yeah. I'm pretty sure the fact that Athreos is the buy box promo means we're not getting a full cycle of gods, but maybe we'll get some of them. Yeah, I, I think we're almost certain to get Clothis. It would make sense if we got Heliod. Or a new Erebos, because it seems like they're both part of the story. Yeah. Somewhat. Yeah, we'll see. But I think we had some Patreon questions. So we've got a lot of Patreon questions this week. The first comes from James. With all the Commander stuff promised for next year, what do you guys expect from this set? What do you want, expect, and hope not to see? I'm actually expecting standard legal sets to have less for Commander because there's so much Commander stuff. There's going to be more differentiation between the Commander products and the, the main sets? Exactly. So we were talking about Daxos. I'm pretty sure we might be seeing more of that in general, like more Legends that cater to Limited or Standard as opposed to Commander in standard legal sets that's kind of what i'm expecting which is kind of a bummer a bummer for if you're listening but what i'm hoping to not see is them just just go that hard on that i think it's possible to make these uncommon legendaries that are interesting that do things that like open up archetypes like sir conrad sir Kara. those are both cards that are nuts and limited and are great commanders so I'm hoping they just keep doing that. That's really what I'm I'm hoping for, but I'm I'm expecting the opposite mm-hmm. <laughs> a little bit. I hope that we get strong sagas so that we can build up our like enchantment recursion packages. I really want a lot of cheap enchantment creatures, hopefully with evasion for Kestia. Yeah. I also just want like enchantment creatures that do useful things so that, that good, yeah. so that we can use Hall of Heliod's generosity not just as a way to recur like your sagas or your pernicious deeds, yeah. but also as a as a Volrath stronghold for like a subset of creatures. So just generically good enchantment creatures, that would be great. Good devotion rewards, give give something yeah. for the monocolor decks. There's a lot of stuff that we could see. I guess the big one that I want to see, too, is I want to see more escape, actually. 
Yeah, good escape cards in Sultai colors as tools for self-mill decks. Yeah. And then Constellation. Hopefully we get some like actual enchantments with Constellation because I yeah. just really don't like the idea of diluting the enchantment counts in my enchantment yeah. builds. I would also, of course, like to see more gods. I think that indestructible commanders and also just like commanders that aren't creatures all the time in some color identities, that's really interesting. And like in black, black can yeah. do a lot with a commander that's uh, indestructible. Mm-hmm. Well, I would say white too, because you have those so many wraths. Yeah. <laughs> Next question. This comes from Charlotte. How many planeswalkers make a deck super friends? Do you think that there is like a set number that like if you dip below it is no longer super friends like what is like the cutoff point where like if i make an atraxa super friends like is it if i'm less than 20 planeswalkers do you think i usually think of the threshold as like preferably 25 or more Mm -hmm. 20 at the very least but there's probably a more scientific way to do this i would say like you could define super friends by like how many planeswalkers you would expect to have on the board at a certain point in the game and then sort of work backwards do the hypergeometric calculation then figure out how many planeswalkers you need to have in your deck that's probably the most valid way to figure it out yeah i think also you're not a super friends deck when you aren't seeing those things happening yeah like if you're like i've only drawn one planeswalker so far and it's been it's it's turn eight yeah yeah or something like that then i think that's probably a signifier that like you know this might not be a super friends deck yeah you need to be drawing like multiple planeswalkers early in the game making like your game plan revolve around them in order for it to be a super friends deck and i think this goes for if you're playing a life gain deck and you're like man i haven't seen any life gain and it's turn 10 or something like you're probably not actually playing the deck you think you are yeah We've got a couple questions here from Raphael. Oh, that's a really good question. Um, What would be your magic design Christmas land enchantment matters commander in Theros? I think me and Nick both had this one answer, which would be if if this is assuming Christmas land, Mm -hmm. it would probably just be like the enchantress partner, Mm -hmm. like probably white green enchantress, but it has partner. I mean, we've talked about this before, but enchantress as a color identity is something that can expand and incorporate a lot of different colors because like black adds a lot of value to enchantress because they have so many good enchantments necropotence frexian arena and a lot of the best constellation triggers that existed prior to theros beyond death were in black like yeah thought render lamia can I was just gonna say yeah. totally suplex your opponents doom wake giant can be like a one-sided board wipe they're just incredibly strong and so like that's a totally valid color identity white green blue also gives you a lot of powerful tools because blue has all those like control magic effects which are very strong like taking other people's commanders taking the best creature on the board that's all very good stuff so the ability to expand your deck's color identity or contract it based on what you want to play with the core being white green would be like an awesome perfect christmas land commander oh yeah and then another thing I don't know if this is like going to be the mechanic on this particular commander or if it's just like a separate idea, but a commander that sacrifices enchantments for value would be really interesting mm-hmm. to me. I would honestly, if they put anything that sacks enchantments for value in this set, I would be very excited. Yeah, making it even easier for you to create loops with Hall of Heliod's generosity or other enchantment recursion effects mm-hmm. would be exciting. Yeah. Okay, we've got a couple questions here from Raphael about white. Should Graveyard Recursion, a la Escape, be the main white card advantage engine going forward? So I actually have been convinced 
that this is something white should do more of, especially in Commander. Mm-hmm. I think like Savine's Reclamation is a good signifier of this, and I think Escape is a good way of doing that too. Because if you think about it, so Savine's Reclamation can get you back your Terramorphic Expanse. So that's a way for white to, quote, ramp itself. It can also get back your little dudes. It can get back a bunch of stuff. I do think Graveyard Recursion should be a thing that white uses as like a card advantage engine. And I feel like it's more, quote, safe for R&D because it doesn't specifically say draw a card mm-hmm. on it even though like you're virtually doing that. I like that too. The fact that it offers a way for white to ramp is very cool. Also white is very vulnerable to just like getting blown out by oh, yeah. board control. Like any other color if they get like Myogen of Knights reached or something, they can draw their way out of it if need be if they top deck a wheel of fortune or some blue draw spell or like a necropotence or something like most colors can get back in the game but white once it runs out of steam it is out of steam and recursion would be a great way for it to uh refuel last question also from Raphael. let's say theros provides white with one new staple in each category so things like disenchant or like a white reclamation sage or like a low cmc removal spell like swords or path to exile card draw ramp like smothering tithe if, if white got like one staple in all of the effects that matter in commander how much would this help white to catch up to the other colors A decent chunk, honestly. They printed Generous Gift, and that's one card, but it did do a decent amount for white and, Mm -hmm. like, what white can do. If white got, like, five cards that did things, that'd be huge. Like, think about, like, Smothering Tithe, what Smothering Tithe did. That was wonderful, and that was one card, and all of a sudden, like, you can do a whole bunch of different things, and there's different play avenues open up, and you're not completely, like, hampered. Like, you can Enlighten Tutor for your Smothering Tithe and stuff like that. Like, it was a relevant type for the color, and it did something that the color needed. If you get five of those, you're pretty good, but I don't know if you're going to get one of them. This is definitely like a, a very hypothetical thing because it's it's going to be a slow process. It'll definitely have a big impact on mono white decks. Yeah, 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 yeah. You'll be able to answer things more effectively. It won't solve the problems that are inherent to mono white. You're still going to have trouble like ramping or drawing cards or just like doing yes. proactive things. I forgot there's two parts of this question. I Yeah, I think it will definitely help mono white, but catch up quote quote that's no i don't think i think it would take a few years of five staples of just every set as five good cards <laughs> to catch up to like what blue is cooking yeah you're like oh ooh, embarrassment of riches <laughs> and and also like i don't know if it's gonna have a huge effect in multicolor lists because with multicolor lists you're already picking from the very best in each color so critical masses in each individual color don't matter as much like if you're playing white blue you only have access to like Swords to Plashers and Path to Exile from white, but you also have access to the good blue spot removal in terms of like Pongify, Rapid Hybridization, Reality Shift. And then of course, like your counter spells can like sort of double for spot removal for creatures. So like adding another good white spot removal spell isn't like crucial to improving the white blue lists because you have two colors to draw from. You don't need the top three best white spot removal spells you can make do with two and supplement with other colors yeah it would have the biggest impact on mono white but it's less necessary for multicolor identities yeah exactly before we go i want to give a brief thank you to our patreon patrons they are bradley gustav ryan mark addison mason will rick laser Raphael, kyle charlotte andrew tom the white clays aubrey hannah anthony andy cooper dylan james justin logan and roger 
Thank you all for keeping the lights on here in the studio. It's because of your support that we're able to uh, release bonus episodes, branch out into new types of content, and do all sorts of fun stuff. So thank you for supporting us. And if you want to become a patron but you are not currently one, you can go to patreon.com slash commandertheory. Thanks for listening. If any of you theorists want to get in touch with us, I am at Commander Theory on Twitter and Tumblr, and Zach is at Fat Bartleby on Twitter. Our theme song is Lincoln Continental by Entropy, and you can check him out on SoundCloud. Until next time, we're going back to the drawing board.